0: Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The 2024 NFL Draft could end up being a historic night for the texas longhorns football program you are locked on longhorns your daily podcast on the texas longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we're discussing why the 2024 NFL Draft could be a historic night for the Texas Longhorns. Six Texas Longhorns players currently projected to go in just the first two rounds of the NFL Draft. Then we have really good Senior Bowl quotes on Tavondre Sweat and Kristen Jones, two players who definitely elevated their draft stock over the past week in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. And last but not least, tonight is a must-win game, in my opinion, for the Texas Longhorns basketball team, the number 14 team in the country, and Iowa State is coming into the Moody Center, and Texas needs to make sure they win this game to keep their tournament hopes alive. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So last week on an episode of Locked on Longhorns, when we got to talking about the senior bowl, right? We were talking about Tavondre Swed and Christian Jones and how they were performing at the senior bowl. I said, as we get further and further into the draft process, we'll get a ton of confirmation bias that this is one of the best and most talented teams we've ever seen at the 40 acres. speaking about this 2023 team, right? We said that in the off season and then we got a ton of confirmation bias throughout the season, right? You go into, you know, Alabama in week two and you win that game against a top five team on the road, right? Then you go 11 and one throughout the regular season. Your only loss is in a neutral site game to your biggest rival, right? In Red River against Oklahoma. We know anything can happen in that game. You win your first Big 12 championship since 2009, smacking Oklahoma State in the process. And, you know, I've said it all offseason. I'll continue to say it until we play our first game on August 31st. You were 11 yards away from the national championship game. Right. And you were one of the four best teams in college football this year, according to the college football playoff committee. So we got a ton of confirmation bias this season of how good this Texas football team was. But as we get further and further into the draft process, we'll get even more bias that confirmation bias that, this was arguably right one of the most talented rosters we've ever seen at the 40 acres. Right. Period. Right. I know it's definitely the most talented we've seen in over a decade. But like I said, arguably in the history of this program, one of the most talented rosters we've ever seen. So ESPN released their latest mock draft yesterday. Matt Miller, one of ESPN's most renowned draft experts, released a two round mock draft yesterday. And six Texas Longhorns are projected to go in just the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Just more and more confirmation bias, right? And some context to that. Texas had six total, total, first and second round picks from 2011 to 2022. Are you kidding me? The University of Texas, a blue blood football program, the state of Texas, six total first and second round picks from 2011 to 2022? And we're about to match that in one draft? In year three, under Steve Sarkisian, I don't know what's crazier, right? The fact that we only had six in 11 years or the fact that Steve Sarkisian is about to do it in his third year on the job in one draft, right? Some additional context to that. The Longhorns all-time record for players taken in a single draft is seven overall. All six of the players I'm about to mention that are projected in the first two rounds are locks to get drafted. The seventh player, Kristen Jones, is a lock to get drafted, right? So we're going to match the all-time record for Texas that we set in 2007 with seven Longhorn players drafted, right? We're going to match that, no question. Then you're looking at players like Jalen Ford, Jordan Whittington, and Ryan Watts. And I would think at least one of those players, possibly two, and maybe all three would get drafted, right? So the 2024 NFL draft looks like it will be a historic night for the Texas Longhorns and will set the new record for the amount of Longhorn players selected in one NFL draft. So where are the Longhorns going? Right. And before I get into where each player is projected to go, what team and what I think about that particular situation um, in the past, when I've talked about the NFL on this podcast, I have gotten some pushback. Right. Not a lot, but I have gotten some pushback uh, from people saying that they come to this podcast to, uh, you know, listen to me talk about the Texas Longhorns. Right. And listen to me talk about college football. Right. But I'm a huge football fan, an NFL fan. It's the offseason. It's tough to come up with content. Right. So I have to get in my NFL bag today and just give you that disclaimer now. Right. If you don't want to hear anything about the NFL, even though I'm talking about Longhorn players being drafted into the NFL, then today's episode just might not be your cup of tea. Right. When we look at the first Longhorn that is projected to go in Matt Miller's draft, we have Byron Murphy at the 16th overall pick in the first round. Going to the Seattle Seahawks. And I just think it's crazy, right? You know, in 2021, Byron Murphy showed flashes. In 2022, he definitely started to put it all together. And then obviously, you know, 2023 was an all world campaign uh, for Byron Murphy, all American, uh, scored touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball, right? Played fullback, um, and then won defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12, right? And just was one of the most dominant defensive players in the country this season. And when you look at you know, this particular NFL fit, Mike McDonald just coordinated one of the best defenses statistically of all time right? with the Baltimore Ravens this year. One of the biggest reasons they were a number one seed and, you know, one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people thought the Ravens would get back uh, to the Super Bowl this year. They completely shut out the Chiefs in the second half of the AFC championship game and held them to 17 points overall, right? So we don't see too often teams holding um, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes scoreless in an entire half of football, and we definitely don't see too many times where the Chiefs can only put up 17 points, right? Even though their offense wasn't the same as we're used to seeing this year. If you would have told me going into the game that Lamar Jackson only had to score 18 points, I would have said the Ravens are going to be in the Super Bowl, right? So definitely not putting this this loss on uh, Mike McDonald and definitely not putting this loss on the defensive unit, right? He did a hell of a job this year, and that's why he landed a head coaching position with the Seahawks. And last season under McDonald, Justin Matabuke was an all-pro at the defensive tackle position. and Now Byron Murphy could potentially feel that role on Seattle's defense under Mike McDonald. And really, when you look at it, this is a team that was built when they were at their best, going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls. They were built on the defensive side of the ball, right? Shout out to Forever Longhorn, Earl Thomas, right? Uh, But they really haven't been great, especially on that side of the ball since the Legion of Boom, right? And I get the sense that they want to get back to that level of physicality and play an elite defense in Seattle, right? And what better way to do that than to bring in a physical freak at the defensive tackle position like Byron Murphy. His athleticism, his physicality, his burst and quickness, his ability to wreck things in the run game and his pass rushing upside with five sacks last year in the middle of the defense make him almost a lot to go first round. And I think that would be an amazing situation for him under a great defensive uh, mind in Mike McDonald in Seattle. I think they could get back to playing really good football in Seattle and Byron Murphy would be one of the biggest reasons why the last pick of the first round. So I guess they're projecting the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl on sand- uh, Sunday geez, is Xavier Worthy, right? They have Xavier Worthy sneaking into the first round. And I definitely could see this, right? With the way he could possibly test and, you know, what he could do with his pro day, he could definitely, with his speed and quickness, could, you know, find himself in two first round conversations when you look at it the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have made the Super Bowl the past two years without Tyreek Hill but the offense hasn't been nearly as explosive as it was prior right so you know you could definitely say that you know the Chiefs have been just fine right without Tyreek Hill but to say they don't miss him a top five receiver in the game probably a top 10 overall player in the game I think is a stretch right you know they've been fine without him but I definitely still think they miss a playmaker like Tyreek Hill especially Because when you look at it, they had one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL this year. They led the National Football League in drops, and they also cost the Chiefs a few games, right? Kadarius Toney, one of the biggest head cases in the league, lined up offsides against the Bills, negating the game winner that he scored, right? The Bills ended up winning that game in the regular season. And then uh, Valdez Scantlin, can't remember his first name at this point, I think Marquez Valdez Scantlin, uh, dropped a go-ahead touchdown against the Eagles. That was another game that the Chiefs lost in the regular season. So they need help in terms of their receiving core, even though they're about to play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Right. Xavier Worthy might be the fastest player in the draft and is a threat to score from anywhere on the field. Also adding value in the return game. I think he's an underrated route runner. The way he gets in and out of his breaks, the way he uses his feet makes him you know, a really good candidate to be a star player at the wide receiver position at the next level. He's not just a burner. He is not just a speed receiver. We saw that for three years at the 40 acres. And as a third option behind Travis Kelsey and new wide receiver one, Rashie Rice from SMU. With Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid pulling the strings, there likely is not a better scenario for Xavier Worthy to begin his career. So Matt Miller in his latest mock draft has Xavier Worthy and Byron Murphy going in the first round. After a quick word from our sponsors, we get into the four players he has going in the second round of the 2024 NFL Draft. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we're getting into the four players that Matt Miller has projected to go in the second round of the NFL draft from the Texas Longhorns and we're starting at number 38 the Tennessee Titans Adonai Mitchell. And what is crazy to me is at 33 overall, they have Ladd McConkey from Georgia going ahead of Adonai Mitchell. This is no disrespect to Ladd McConkey. I think he's a hell of a receiver, right? And he showed, you know, at the Senior Bowl and The last few years at Georgia, right, in one-on-one coverage, he's a nightmare, right? He's really good at getting open. But to say he should go above Adonai Mitchell or to say he's a better wide receiver prospect than Adonai Mitchell when he can't even play on the outside is crazy to me, right? But, you know, obviously Matt Miller's forgotten more football than I'll probably ever know. So who am I to question him, right? I'm wishing I was in his position, right? All right, when you look at it, number 38 in the second round. So a high pick, you know, still in the second round, Tennessee Titans, Adonai Mitchell, Titans have a young quarterback in Will Levis who needs some weapons around him to help his growth and development right? We know young quarterbacks, what's crucial for them is great offensive line play and, you know, great weapons to distribute the ball to. And at this point, I'm not sure that Will Levis has any of those. right, the Titans will also probably be losing his best weapon and, you know, a security blanket of some sort in Derrick Henry and his two best receivers aren't enough to win in today's version of the National Football League. Traylon Burks was a first-round pick out of Arkansas a few years ago, and he's just yet to live up to being selected into the first round. Hasn't been that number one wide receiver that Tennessee has been looking for. And DeAndre Hopkins was, you know, serviceable at times last year, but he's 32 years of age and looks like he's starting to, you know, be on the decline moving forward. Right. So they need to bring in some playmakers for Will Levis and Adonai Mitchell is a hell of a playmaker, right? He could easily step in and be their number one wide receiver with his huge catch radius, his ability to make contested catches and his knack for tracking and tracking and making deep ball catches consistently. In my opinion, Adonai Mitchell is a true wide receiver one, right? What you look for in your best wide receiver Adonai Mitchell is that, right? And I love the T. Higgins comp because I think that's exactly what he brings to the game, right? He could be a T. Higgins type player at the next level. I don't love the fit with the Titans, just being honest, right? They still seem to be a few steps behind the curve in terms of modern offense. There's so many teams in the National Football League uh, right now who are using their quarterbacks and wide receivers. And I would hate for Adonai Mitchell to have to start his career in an offense that's playing three yards in cloud of dust football, All right. So, you know, obviously going to any NFL team is a blessing and I think Adonai Mitchell could step in day one and be their number one wide receiver. I think he's that good and that talented, but I definitely would like to see him in a system that has a better history of utilizing their quarterback and utilizing their wide receivers where I feel like that Tennessee offense is, there's going to be a lot of scoring 17 points and hoping their defense can lead them to a victory. So I think Adonai Mitchell could end up in a better situation, you know, going into the National Football League, but he's also the type of player to make Tennessee a better situation himself. Next is 49th overall in the second round, Cincinnati Bengals, Jatavian Sanders. And as much as I don't like the fit for Tennessee and Adonai Mitchell, you have to love this fit with Jatavian Sanders with the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. When you look at it after, going to the Super Bowl two years ago and losing to the Rams, the Bengals have lost in the AFC championship and then missed the playoffs in the two years since. So they're, you know, chasing that 2021 season of getting back to the Super Bowl. And a player like Jatavion Sanders could definitely move the needle in terms of getting you back to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. I think unquestionably a top five quarterback in the National Football League right now. And Jamar Chase, in my opinion, is unquestionably a top five receiver in the National Football League. So you have a really good foundation in terms of the offensive side of the ball. They also have had, right Tyler Boyd T Higgins and Joe Mixon not sure how many of those three players are returning next year probably Tyler Boyd I would see T Higgins probably finding a new team because he's gonna win a big deal not sure what happens with Joe Mixon but the Cincinnati Bengals will be really explosive on offense next year without Jatavian Sanders and you add him and that just gives you a you know completely different dynamic to that offense what Joe Burrow has lacked really going back to LSU I think he had Thaddeus Moss at LSU but you know Thaddeus Moss is not Jatavian Sanders and I would say the best tight end he's had in the National Football League is Hayden Hurst and Hayden Hurst is not Jatavius Sanders. Right? He's lacked the dominant player at the tight end position. I think Jatavian Sanders is a perfect fit for this offense because of his athleticism and his ability to spread out the defense on the outside and in the seams. He's essentially, you know, another wide receiver on this football team, but that can play as a tight end in line and blocking as well. Right. Zach Taylor is from the Sean McVay tree. And the tight end has to be able to block, which JT Sanders did at a high level at times at Texas. I'm not saying he's going to come in to be Rob Gronkowski in terms of being a blocking tight end or Mercedes Lewis or anything like that, but to act like Jatavian Sanders is a liability when it comes to blocking is just simply not true, right? And I think he's going to bring a ton of versatility to the Cincinnati Bengals offense if he lands in that situation, which I think is perfect for him. So you have a great offensive mind in Zach Taylor. You have an elite quarterback, and you have dominant weapons around Jatavian Sanders to take the pressure off of him, right? And he's, of course, going to be a mismatch problem against linebackers and safeties. If you have to defend Jatavian Sanders as a fourth or fifth option, Look out, right? Like I said, the Cincinnati Bengals have been chasing the Super Bowl appearance for the last two years since they lost to the Rams. And a player like Jatavian Sanders can certainly move the needle and get you back into that conversation. At 54, another great fit that I love Cleveland Browns with Tavandre Sweat. Matt Miller's doing a really good job of growing on me, right? You know, I've almost already forgot that he put Lad McCarthy over Adonai Mitchell. Cleveland Browns, Tavandre Sweat, love this fit, right? The Browns had one of the best defenses in the league last year before completely falling apart in the playoffs against the Texans. Right. And I know the interceptions by Flacco didn't help. But when you look at it, this is a team that fielded Deshaun Watson at quarterback. They fielded Joe Flacco at quarterback. They fielded Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. I think they played another one. Right. So they had four quarterbacks play this year and still won like 10 or 11 games. Right. Like that's a testament to how good the defense was. But the interesting thing was the Browns had the best defense at home but arguably the worst defense on the road, right? And if you watch that playoff game against the Texans, that did not look like the best defense in the league by any stretch, but they were playing on the road, right? Against the Houston Texans and CJ Stroud, who looks like a young superstar in this league. The Browns already have superstars really at every level of their defense, right? Of course, Miles Garrett, who I think arguably is the best football player in the league, period, right? Uh, Linebacker, they have JOK, who's a dominant force. And then at corner, they have Denzel Ward, right? So they have dominant superstar level players at every level of their, their defense, right? The front, the middle, in the back end, they also have a huge need at defensive tackle because they have three defensive tackles scheduled to hit free agency, right? Which makes, you know, Tamandre Sweat not only being a great pick in the second round for just anybody who needs a great defensive player, but especially for a team that's losing three defensive tackles to free agency, right? And you could potentially add another superstar up front to go with JLK, Denzel Ward, and Miles Garrett into and Andre Sweat, right? He can definitely help in the run game. I think there's no question about that. Um, but I think scouts are asleep on his pass rushing upside. Like, like I said, you know, these scouts have forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But I have watched every game Tavondre Sweat played at the University of Texas. And I think to say that he won't be a great pass rusher at the next level or he can't figure out how to be a great pass rusher at the next level. Maybe I'm biased, but I think that's really short-sighted, right? He had 22 pressures in 14 games last year and has an entire career ahead of him to improve. And I think he'd be going to a great situation playing next to, you know, Miles Garrett in terms of developing, you know, uh, Tamandre Sweat into being one of the best defensive tackles in the league. So I think this would be a steal for the Browns. Like I said, I'm not buying all this talk about Tamandre Sweat being a two-down player in the National Football League. I think he's a dog. I think he'll be dominant in any situation you put him in and you add him to a defense like that, and look out for the Cleveland Browns, right? I don't even I don't even rock with Deshaun Watson. But if he you know turns into anything decent like he was in Houston and they get some Andre Sweat on defense, once again, look out for the Cleveland Browns. That might be their division moving forward, even with the Bengals and Ravens in it. Green Bay Packers at 58. So we're getting to the end of the second round, but still in the second round, Jonathan Brooks. Now, this one is interesting because I just didn't see, you know, uh the way that running backs are being devalued, a team taking uh or no a running back you know, especially running back coming off a torn ACL in the first couple of rounds, right? But Matt Miller seems to believe that Jonathan Brooks will be a second round pick. And like I said, he's likely forgotten more football than I'll ever know. Matt LaFleur came up under Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, who, you know, Kyle Shanahan obviously came up under his dad, Mike Shanahan. So there's a huge emphasis on running the ball in Green Bay, right? I know they've had Aaron Rodgers and they've had Jordan Love, but if you watch a Green Bay Packers game, right, they still want to run the ball at a really high level. And then you know base everything off of that a lot of motion a lot of play action to you know trick the defense and at any level of football at this point right unless you have Christian McCaffrey you need two running backs right and your Green Bay Packers have one and they have a really good one but who's going to be their running back to next season Matt Miller seems to think that it could be Jonathan Brooks and I think that would be a really good fit so Aaron Jones uh, from Texas still one of the best most productive running backs in the National Football League but A.J. Dillon Uh, his rookie contract has expired and he's scheduled to hit free agency right so not sure if they're gonna bring back sorry my internet's cutting up so i had to pause it but (laughs) i think what i was saying is that uh I'm not sure they're going to bring back A.J. Dillon. Right. Having to pay him a second contract it would make a lot more sense to just draft a running back, you know, in the draft right? or take a running back in the draft, especially with the production we've seen in recent years for running backs coming out the draft. Right. I mean, I guess the best example is Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh round pick starting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. So, you know, Jonathan Brooks definitely could be a prime candidate to be running back two next year. Uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And I think eventually, you know, because Aaron Jones is making like $12, million, 12 million a year, and that's a lot for a running back in today's game, that, you know, they could eventually move off of him and then Jonathan Brooks could slide in as the number one running back for one of the you know most story programs in sports right the green bay packers which would be great and i think jonathan brooks vision patience and ability to change speeds give me full confidence in him being a game changer at the next level right we also saw at the university of texas that he's really proficient as a receiver as well so i would love to see him go to a team that could potentially use a starter right away i know the cowboys you know the titans the texans those are just teams that come to mind right now that need a running back starter but you know, obviously, like I said, you know, going to the National Football League is a blessing wherever you go. And I think he would be going to a really good situation with a great offensive mind and Matt LaFleur and a team that wants to run the ball at a high level and has shown, especially against my Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, that they can run the ball at a high level. I think uh, Jonathan Brooks would be a great fit there. Before we get into a word from our sponsors, I want to read two two quotes Uh, One about Christian Jones and one about Tavondre Sweat from the senior bowl over the past week. I think two players from Texas that really did a good job of elevating their draft stock in Mobile, Alabama. Would have liked to see Byron Murphy, but he was dealing with a late season injury. And it looks like him not participating in the senior bowl won't matter, right? Because pretty much every mock draft I see at this point has him going as a first round pick. So this is Christian Jones. Among those who finished out the week, Texas's Christian Jones may have been the most surprising. Jones entered the festivities as a well-known prospect after starting three years for the Longhorns but the inconsistency seen with his technique throughout his collegiate career should have served as a detriment when facing the best in mobile. It didn't. Instead, his pass sets were mostly consistent. Jones used his length and size to shut down most of his opponents. He had one of the most impressive performances as a result. And to Sweat, the 6'4", 362-pound nose tackle had his share of movement. Sweat started the week slowly, only to turn it on during the American squad's Wednesday and Thursday's practice. Weight concerns will always be at the forefront for Sweat who didn't officially weigh in this week, but a fully invested version of Tamandre Sweat is like having a freight train in the middle of a defense. He mauled opponents with his size and strength and even flashed a few pass rush moves. Are you listening, Cleveland? All right, so like I said, a ton of confirmation bias throughout the season of how talented this Texas roster was in 2023. And now as we go through the draft process, even more confirmation bias that this is one of the most talented Texas teams you have ever seen, yes, you, on the 40 Acres. All right, getting out of here with my five keys to beating the number 14 team in the country for the Texas basketball team tonight, Iowa State is coming into the Moody Center. I've said I believe that Iowa State tonight and West Virginia on Saturday, both games at home are must wins for the Longhorns One because you're one of those teams that is currently being discussed on the bubble of making the NCAA tournament or not. So every win moving forward is huge. Every loss moving forward is huge. Also, I think You know, these two games are very, very winnable games for the Texas Longhorns, especially at home. But after that, your four remaining games in the regular season are Kansas State, who just knocked off Kansas last night. Kansas. Right. U of H once again, who you lost to and Texas Tech once again, who you lost to. Right. So it's very pertinent that you make sure you get victories against Iowa State and West Virginia this week. My five keys. Start fast. Keep the crowd involved. Right. You can't start slow like you've done the past few games. Right. And I know that, you know, this is a great second half team. Ronnie Terry does a great job of making second half adjustments. But I think the key to beating a team like Iowa State, who's really good, is to really use the Moody Center as a home court advantage. Right. But the crowd has nothing to cheer for if you're down 10 to 15 points and you're clawing your way back in the game. I think if you jump on Iowa State early, get this crowd involved early, that could take them mentally out of the game and make it a lot tougher for them to perform at a high level with that raucous crowd environment that the Moody Center can be when Texas is playing their best basketball. Dylan DeSue and Max Aseman have to be superstars. There's no exception. There's no other path for this Texas basketball team to win. For them to win every night, Max Aseman and Dylan DeSue have to be superstars. To beat Iowa State tonight, Dylan DeSue and Max Aseman have to be superstars. That's the only path for Texas to win. Sorry, you don't have the luxury of taking a night off. You don't have the luxury of taking an off night. Dylan DeSue and Max Aseman have to be great tonight for Texas to have a chance to win. Kendall Weaver and Tyrese Hunter need to be locked down defenders against Lipsy and Gilbert. They're two leading scorers at the guard position. Kendall Weaver starting is a great adjustment by Rodney Terry. It gives you a dog on the defensive side that can guard their best player from the opening tip, right? And I think Kendall Weaver do that. And Tyrese Hunter, even, you know, Tyrese Hunter, even though he's inconsistent on the offensive end, he's still one of the best defensive guards in the country as well. So I think if they can come out and play locked down defense against Iowa State's two most prolific scorers, that'll go a long way into in t- ensuring victory for the Texas Long Longhorns tonight. Dylan Mitchell, after a bad game against BYU where they weren't even guarding him, right, and triple-teaming Dylan DeSue, he's had back-to-back double-doubles against the University of Houston and in a win on the road against TCU. So I think he needs to bring that energy on offense and the boards tonight. Not saying he needs to have a double-double. That's just an arbitrary number, but I think if he shows a lot of effort in terms of rebounding and scoring tonight, he'll be a great third option for the Longhorns and should give them a boost to beat Iowa State tonight. And my last key to victory is Brock Cunningham and Caden Shedrick need to shine in their roles, right? Like I said, Brock Cunningham, no more, no less. He needs to defend, shoot open threes, and rebound. And tonight for Texas to win, he needs to make open threes, rebound, and defend at a high level, right? And Caden Shedrick, when he's spelling Dylan DeSue, right, he needs to come in and still provide some offensive capability, right? You know, getting easy shots around the basket, but also provide that, you know, all-American defensive player type of, you know, defensive player of the year type defense he provides when he comes into the game, being an elite uh you know rim protector and shot blocker so uh Brock Cunningham and Caden Shedrick even in auxiliary roles need to shine in their roles to make sure that Texas gets a victory over one of the best teams in the country and definitely one of the best teams in conference Iowa State tonight thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Longhorns part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day hook them peace